Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say. Belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Craig. This is Bucks in the Basement. 30 minutes of Pirates talk for fans, by fans. And uh, how are you, my friend? I'm not doing too bad, man. I uh, We always record on Tuesdays, and I kind of forgot it was Tuesday for a second. I, I take, take yesterday off and then come back. And I was like, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what day is it? What month yeah, is it? The long, the long holiday thing, especially with Thanksgiving weekend, will really throw you off. Like yesterday, I had, I had an experience with that. My, I got a, I got a phone call from my kid's grammar school, and uh, you know the little guy, the eight year old, third grade. Yeah. And the first, I'm sorry, the last Monday of every month, they let them out an hour early. I don't know why they do this. They just have it set up that way. They get it. They get to leave early, early dismissal on the last Monday of every month well who's thinking of that after being away for a week i mean they actually did parent teacher stuff and some other things where they basically gave them the whole week so he hadn't been to school in a week so i was just like happy he had his his clothes for the day right hey i remember (laughs) to pack your lunch like those were accomplishments to me right and i was like i know i gotta pick him up at 245 and then all of a sudden i get a phone call like an hour earlier and it's like uh he's up in the office and I'm like, all right, I'll be right there. So I think I'm the only idiot parent who's thrown off, right? I walk into the office. There's 20 kids in there. <laughs> there are 20 kids. They are sitting in every seat in the principal's office. They're in the lobby. They're standing against the wall. They are the forgotten children from all the parents who completely forgot what was going on and that it was a Monday and everything because of the holiday weekend. And I was like, and I walked right in. I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. And they were laughing in the office like, no, no, no. We've made a lot of phone calls. There are a lot of kids. And they were like an all different age range too. They were like first graders. There were a couple of seventh graders standing there. I was like, man, there are a lot of kids standing inside this thing because I'm not the only person. So you're not the only one that was thrown off by the, by the long weekend. Don't worry about it. Were the pirates thrown off by the long weekend? I mean, it kind of got anything accomplished. I mean, it kind of seems like they might've been, I mean, people have been looking for the pirates to make a a legitimate move. I know that we talked about a a minor league signing that they had done the moves that they have to make to, to add players and different stuff. But I think a lot of that is kind of coming from like what the Cardinals have been doing this thus far. And it's not even saying like, I mean, the Sonny Gray signing, like if I, if we could have Sonny Gray on our team right now, I mean, who, who wouldn't want, you know, Sonny Gray for what he's done in his career and especially what he did last year in the rotation have gone out and gotten, you know, Kyle Gibson. And I, I take a Kyle Gibson. I mean, Kyle Gibson, I looked at his whip as soon as he was signed, always very sturdy. We already talked about Lance Lynn that I, I wouldn't want Lance Lynn unless it was on like a, a Vince Velasquez type deal. But the, 
I guess the bigger issue would be is that the Cardinals knew they had spots in their rotation that they needed to fill, and the Cardinals did what they always do. The Pirates. And I thought they did it badly, but they did it badly. It was like, it's a rush job. I'm sorry, uh, Lance Lynn sucks, uh, and, 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 <laughs> and he does. He sucks. And when and when he was a couple of years ago, he was he was the man, right? The pitch clock really screwed him up, and and the fact that he throws basically two pitches. He throws three variations of a fastball, and then I believe he's got one off-speed pitch, and that's it. So when that fastball isn't moving in three different directions and showing three different looks, he gives up a ton of home runs. And last year, he couldn't get that thing to look different, and he was just a launching pad. He was a launching pad for the White Sox. He was a launching pad for the Dodgers when he got there. Uh, and and him getting signed to $10 million for a year of baseball after how badly he played last year, I don't know where he sold his soul at and if a broker was involved, but that makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. So, and and, and Gibson is not exciting to me. You, you mentioned him. I, I, I've been following him in fantasy baseball the last couple of years. He's got a high whip. He, he He's very inconsistent. And signing him early is basically like you just want to get it out of the way. Sonny Gray is a nice pickup. I like the Sonny Gray pickup. That, that that would be nice for the Pirates to go and get. But what I'm noticing right now is that it's teams that are rushing to go and fill spots quickly. And I don't know why they're rushing to go do it. The Pirates aren't going to rush. I would love if they did. I would love if they they recognized the player, knocked on the door, and said, here's a, butt, a buttload of money, right? Like, here it is. We're just going to give you a briefcase. We're going to back the truck up, and we're going to bring in. But that's not how Bob Nutting, like, operates. So you have to wait and see where the market goes. I, I think one of the things you're going to see next is you're going to see some trades. I think you're going to see Dylan Cease move from the White Sox because teams are looking at him. There's, I, I was reading a list of pitchers right now that are being targeted by other teams. Uh, Tyler Glass now, another one, where, where there are multiple rumors about teams that are going after him in trade. And so you're going to see that market also open up because now when you look at these early signings and the amount of money being thrown around for bad pitching, you're going to see some of these teams go, I got prospects, and I would rather spend the prospects to get pitching than I would than I would re- than, than spend the money. And that's the unfortunate thing, I think, for the Pirates. I think the Pirates had more capital and prospects to go out and get a pitcher that maybe may have a couple of years on him than, than, than money. And so I think now Ben Charrington's kind of backed into a corner where he has to wait and see where the market shakes out. Because there's stupid money right now. Lance Lynn getting $10 million means that everybody that's better than Lance Lynn is worth more? I mean, because trust me, their (laughs) agents think that. That's the thing. Like, if you're better than Lance Lynn and you're out there in the market, you're a younger pitcher who wasn't a launching pad and had a better season last year and has more potential long-term for a team, and you see him get $10 million, your agent and you are like, starts at $10 million. Don't even ask me if it's not. Like, I mean, like, right? I mean, it's... so you have to wait. Time will bring that number back down again. Time will regulate the market. And unfortunately, the way that the Pirates operate because of their owner, you may have to you may have to take some time here before you see him make a move. Yeah, and I think a lot of the information or a lot of the stuff and the feelings that we get, especially like, you know, I shouldn't say like, I mean, in this business, in the podcasting and in, in the business of, you know, kind of, covering the pirates and different stuff is a lot of the information you get is from social media and everything in social media is, is a hot take. It's, it's a hot take. So it's like, so if, if we went and signed Lance Lynn 
there would be the same like subset of fans that would be saying, why are we signing this old bum to this much money? But because we didn't sign that him, it's that the pirates are cheap. The other part of the thing, like which guy of those three guys, the only one that I'd be interested on this team would be Sonny Gray because Sonny Gray is somebody who's pitching at a high level and you're signing him to a multi-year deal. And that's what you need to do. Lance Lynn at 10 million for one year would have done you no good. You would have sat there and saw that deal and said, oh, they're hoping he does a bounce back and they could trade him for prospects at midseason. And we're done with that, right? We don't want that. And Gibson is not the kind of guy that you want in this rotation if you're going to try to convince me that you're trying to compete next year. If you're if you're signing him, then you're sitting around and you're saying, okay, well, we're just kind of hoping to be like, you know, uh, a snowball's chance in hell. We'll have a we'll have a puncher's chance in the ring, and maybe we'll maybe we'll find our way into the postseason if we just throw some bodies into the rotation. I don't want that. Do you want that no i don't really want it and and for gibson i mean i I looked and i mean his whip last year was 1.318 the year before that 1.336 he did have a pretty good whip 1.290 i think he was a tale of two i think he was a tale of two seasons though i think he was hot in the first half and then he reverted back to what he had been the year before so i think i mean that's how i remember him i could be wrong okay but i believe that i because i was following him i mean like that's the thing i get into there's a reason why my fantasy baseball team perennially wins championships and yours <laughs> is like in last place every year because i really watch pitchers and i try to find trends because it's it's the key in our league is they have strong pitching and deep pitching and so i was looking at him a lot and i was like wow he's kind of above his skis he, he doesn't normally he doesn't normally pitch at this level and then I saw him regulate back to what he was. And that ended up with that whip. If you would have taken it, I think if you take his second half of the season, he's far worse. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's one of those guys where I, I'm not relying on him definitely for a long-term window or for sustained winning like what I want the Pirates to go and do. And they need to go get pitching because Oviedo's out now. And so you've got to find some arms. Yeah. And, I mean, that was something we had talked about previously. I mean, Oviedo, it was, it was being discussed that he was, you know, going to possibly get Tommy John. Now it's on the record that he is getting Tommy John. So, I mean, at this point in time, you have Mitch Keller. Uh, hopefully, you know, and that's, that's it. it. I, I was looking at fan graphs, like fan graphs, try, like tries to guess depth charts. And sometimes they're wrong. Like I've, I've actually called Jason Martinez, who puts up the, the roster research stuff and his projected lineups, and I've called him before, and I've said, hey, listen, locally, this isn't the plan. And he'd be like, really? I'd be like, yeah, it, just take a look, because if, if you look at the local take on this player, I don't think he's a starter, or I don't think he's going to be used in that way. His guess at the rotation is Mitch Keller, Luis Ortiz, Bailey Falter, Quinn Priester, and Rowanzi. Now, I mean, I, I, and you know what? Maybe, maybe that's what it is. But I mean, when you look at that rotation, you know that you need to add arms to that rotation. You know you need to add arms to that rotation. That's a lot of question marks and hope is what that is. Yeah. I hope this guy takes another step. I hope this guy takes another step. I hope this guy reverts back to what we thought he was going to be two years ago. I hope this prospect all of a sudden advances. next. There's too much hope and, and, and finger crossing there. You have to add to that. Yeah, you definitely have to add to that. And I mean, I I feel like he's kind of, I mean, I don't know who else you would put in there other than maybe Andre Jackson, but that would be taking Bailey Falter out and putting putting Andre Jackson in. 
So it's it's kind of showing like what is is there right now. I mean, I know there's people we talked about last week that are they're possibly on the cusp. But yeah, I mean, it's known that you have to add. I know that Ben Charrington came out and said that he is going to add. There's been reports from like Robert Murray, who's fairly tied in to saying that they're going to, you know, shop in, you know, they're going to be more aggressive for at least two starting pitchers. I just think it's that impatient nature. And I understand it as a fan. I mean, I wish that we knew what was going to happen or who they were going to sign, but until it actually happens and it's not like anybody outside of, you know, St. Louis has really gone out there. I know Kenta Maeda got signed by the Tigers. The Tigers are good for that, man. The Tigers will always make like a, a couple signings that, I don't know if it gives their fan base hope, but it, it's just very weird. The Tigers, to me, I, I can't wrap my head around them because they either like sign like some some guys that I don't know they, they've done it before. Uh, they've gone out and spent a decent amount of money before, but they'll get in guys that'll fill in slots. They'll spend a little bit of money. They'll get a pitcher for a couple years, but they're never really like that great. Well, here let's let's talk about what teams have done so far because I think it really kind. If you take a bigger picture, if you if you if you kind of drop back and take the thirty thousand foot view from above, I, I think that you the panic would stop because there's only a couple of teams addressing specific needs early that they must have said we have to fix this before the players run out. We need to add depth to this position. All right, so I'll start with Atlanta. Atlanta's gone out in their in their free agent signings and they went and got Reynaldo Lopez and they went and got Joe uh, Joe Jimenez. Okay, two relief pitchers. So they added relief pitching. And then that that's all they've done, really. They've just been adding to their pen. They've said, we need to get deeper in our bullpen because that's the biggest focus. So we're going to go right now and attack the guys that we've identified that are not only signable and within our price range, but that we think bring the specific skill set that we have been missing. So we're adding on to it. They also added Aaron Bummer in a trade with the Chicago White Sox and gave up five players. And if you look at the White Sox, the White Sox have made two moves. That trade, which gave them depth inside of the rotation, which was a big need. All right. And and also they have added defense, Nicky Lopez, and they signed Paul DeYoung to a very low level deal. And basically what they said at going into the offseason, that organization was we need to add to defense and starting pitching depth. Well, you can't wait till the end of the offseason on that. You make those moves early. It doesn't mean they're done. They'll probably address it more, but that's why they're striking early. You look at the the, the Phillies. They just struck early because they had the best pitcher on the market, arguably. They had the best starting pitcher on the market. They got him to take a hometown discount. That's the signing that they made in bringing Nola back. And then you look at what the Cardinals did. The Cardinals looked at their team and said, roster-wise, we are also missing starting pitching depth. We know Lance Lynn. We feel comfortable with him. So we'll give him money that probably no other team would have given him on a one-year prove-it deal so he can finish things out here. The Sonny Gray deal is really the first big deal in my mind that's happened this offseason. Because everything else is like bullpen piece, defensive piece, bringing back a guy that was already there, right? Like most teams, like the Pirates, have done nothing yet in free agency. And they all have needs. And and the thing is, is that unless you're a team that knows you have to pounce, pounce now, and you have the money to pounce, the, you're, you have to wait and see the market get set. 
So I think you're going to see some trades happen. I think the winter meetings are going to kind of like loosen some things up a little bit. I think you'll see Ben Charrington get active, but he doesn't even know. Right now, he's probably calling on guys going, uh, we'd like to bring you in. We'd like to sign you. And they're like, well, we have three other offers. And did you see what Lance Lynn got? And he's got to sit there. He's gotta, <laughs> and he's got to wait because of that, because he can't outspend. Because Bob Nutting's cheap, right? Like, yeah. uh, I, 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 I think anybody listening to the show understands that the viewpoint of the show is that the owner is cheap where he doesn't need to be cheap, right? The owner is, we, we, we've looked at it a bunch of times, on Forbes' list of the worth of all Major League Baseball owners is mixed in with owners in terms of his own personal worth with owners that spend 175 to 200 and some million dollars a year. He's got the same net worth as guys like that, but he doesn't spend on the Pirates. And I'm sure he'll give you some reason like, oh, well, you know, our market and, you know, I'm not going to spend my personal money. What does the team bring in? And, you know, I'm sure he'll give a million reasons why he isn't using the revenue sharing money that he's getting from Major League Baseball for being a team in the market size that he's in. I think he's cheap. I think he's a problem for the Pirates. But I look at the general manager and I go, does he understand what that guy's going to spend? And is he attacking the marketplace? and his needs, knowing that he can't go to him and say, look, the thing that's going to get us over the top is this $300 million pitcher. He knows that he can't go do that. If he was operating that way, I'd be more upset. If I saw Ben Charrington leaping into a market, spending money, and then getting to the end of the offseason and being like, oh, no, I didn't fill these three positions, and then I went to Bob Nutting and he told me he was out of money, I'd be mad at Ben Charrington. So I get why he's waiting back. I do. I hate defending general managers. I hate defending anybody because when you haven't won anything in many years. But I I also understand it would be worse if he was diving in and overspending on somebody right now and then came up short in the needs that he needed to address this offseason because the guy up in the front office, in the main office, the guy who owns the team, said, oh, I'm out of money and pulled his pockets out and said, I'm broke, and then got on his (laughs) private jet and went to his island. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. I know another thing that Pirate fans are upset about is that, you know, the agent comes out afterwards and lists a number of teams that were, you know, interested in trying to get Sonny Gray and the Pirates weren't among that. But who's to say, I mean, I can't even say that Ben Sherrington didn't like call and right. say, Hey, what's the, what's the going rate for this guy. And then going back to Bob Nutting and 
never calling the agent back again. Or it's an I mean, understanding of his budget. If he yeah. called and he was told, what price range are you looking in? They gave him a price range, and he looked at what his needs were, and he looked at what money he's going to be given. And he sat there and said, well, if I spend money on him, I cannot address all of these things that I know need to be addressed. So what we need to do is we need to look for a player that comes in in this price range that is the poor man, Sonny Gray, to, you know, for lack of a better term, or a person that we think ups our game that works within this price range. The, the thing that I never will understand, I will never understand in a world where you have the Brad Pitt movie Moneyball and even the book that goes along with it, that any baseball fan that watched that movie can't understand what it's like when you have a cheap owner and you have a general manager who's got to find a way to make it work without a budget. Because that right there, that movie explains what I'm trying to explain is probably it, to some degree th what's going on in Pittsburgh. Because you have a cheap owner, you have a guy who sits there, like th that guy, the, the, you know, I don't know what the actual conversation was with Billy Bean and his owner at the time in Oakland, but in that movie, you have a guy who's like, oh, I really love the guys, and uh, we'll be back, and blah, 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 and I'm really supportive of the team, and whatever you need, and he goes, well, I need some money. Yeah, we ain't got any money. Come on, you're rich. <laughs> no, I, mean, I got no money. Like, there's that scene where he sits there, and he actually says that he'll pick up the extra money on Rincon's contract, but if he sells him later, he gets the profit to get the billionaire to pony up, what, $200,000? Which, for yeah. a billionaire, $200,000 is like 10 bucks in his pocket, folks. Like, that's what it is. It's nothing. Right. So like you watch that and that's one of the frustrating things. The owner is one of the frustrating things working against the Brad Pitt character in the movie and in real life. If you've ever read the book that was written about the whole thing going on in Oakland at the time that spurned this whole thing with these advanced metrics and took Bill James from being a book that was in my dad's basement uh, bathroom that I would read through while I was down there for 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 a good amount of time. Right. And then I would be like, oh, I've learned a little bit about baseball. It turned it into a mainstream thing. But the, in that movie, that really kind of should give you a picture of what Ben Charrington is going to have to work with, with his owner. Your ire should be more towards ownership unless Charrington completely screws the pooch on talent. And when I look at his thing, I always say, look at the guys he identified that worked out. Look at the pro scouting and the guys you were able to find. Look at the fact that early... Early in the process, last year's start was not expected by most of us because it was kind of improbable. But because of the pro scouting and the way that they identified players that they were able to work with in their budget when they knew they weren't ready yet, they actually had a pleasant surprise. And they're ahead of schedule on their rebuild right now. Okay? So, let, I mean, I want to give him the offseason. We get to spring training, and I'm like, man, we didn't do, we didn't do anything. I'll grab my pitchfork. I'll light my torch, and I'll stand right next to the Twitter mob and scream. But at this point, I see only a couple teams making very specific moves, and all those teams have money, which is something that Ben Charrington does not have to work with. Yeah, and the same people that are frustrated now with, you know, having only what they're calling, you know, one starting pitcher in the beginning of year five of the rebuild. Well, they haven't gone out and gotten any pitchers yet. Uh, were the same people that were super happy that they were going with the high-end, young, talented players like a Bubba Chandler, a Jared Jones, an Anthony Solomito, uh, countless others that they knew weren't going to be here for a while because they were high school arms. Right. And 
you you can't you can't expect them to be here just because you want them to be here. Yeah, there are some frustrating things about you know Rowanzi taking a step back, but we've seen Mitch Keller go back and forth, back and forth. Like the story on Rowanzi Contreras has not been written yet. The story the new, on Quinn Priester has not been written yet. The new regime fixed Mitch Mitch Keller. I remember on this show us complaining about the last regime and how they were moving him up and moving him down. The new regime actually is the reason why Mitch Keller didn't become just another prospect that didn't work out. Okay, so that right there is proof. Look, again, they're ahead of schedule. I just mentioned it. They're ahead of schedule. Their pitching didn't catch up. We said that a year and a half ago probably on this show. That pitching is not going to keep up with these prospects. This team is progressing too quickly, and the pitching is too young, and they're going to have to go out and get pitching. We said it. I guarantee Charrington saw saw it, and he's going to have to address it. He's identified it. He said it publicly. He has to wait for the market. If he doesn't go get pitching, folks, again, Craig, Craig will stand next to me with his pitchfork and torch, right? We'll have a whole pitchfork and torch party. I'll hand out torches. I'm sure there's some law against it, but I'll hand them out. (laughs) I'll go down to the ballpark and I'll just hand out torches. When When the cops show up, throw your torch into the river very quickly so that we don't go to jail. That's the plan. Yeah. I mean, there, there has to be some rule, Chris, that you can hand out a torch that's not lit. Right. And it's not your fault if not somebody lit. lights it. That, yeah, exactly. I didn't tell them to light it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean like, that's... that's the thing. Like, you can be angry then. Like, I always feel like early free agency angst is stupid. Because, I, I mean, I can remember off seasons, and I'm sure you can too, where they start off great. You're super excited about November. And then you get to you get to March and you're like, we didn't do what we were supposed to do. We kind of stopped all of a sudden. I've seen that before. And I've also seen them where all of a sudden you start get you get a Christmas present. You're like, holy cow, did we sign so-and-so? I, I've seen both ends of free agency. And I understand that I understand that there's a group of fan out there that just kind of looks at free agency like it's a video game, right? Or a computer simulation where you should be able to just get what you want because you want it. But you have to find a partner in a team that will make a trade for you. And then you have to find a partner in a free agent that wants to take your money, can't get a better monetary offer, or if they are getting an equal or greater monetary offer, wants to play for your city because they believe in what they're going to be able to accomplish there. You know, Pittsburgh isn't New York. Pittsburgh isn't L.A. There are less outside ways to make money off the team here than there are in certain markets. This team has less money to spend on its players than other markets. They're, they're, you, you have not won anything for a number of years. A player loves money. Players, lo- People love money, right? And it's easy for us to sit there and say, like, oh, if somebody gave me money, what would be the difference between $12 million and $13 million? Or what would you, right? We could say what we believe, right? But when you live in that tax bracket, you know that the government's taking 50% of it, and wherever you live, you're going to get hit with something else, and you have these crazy expenses, and th- this is how you live your life. And then you know you're going to have to go and play 162 games a year with a franchise. You want to know whether or not you trust the franchise to be a good place to play. Am I going to enjoy this? Are we going to win? Is it worth it? Is the other offer better when I look at everything that's sitting there and my future and my career? And will I become a marquee player that can make more money the next time around? So there's all these factors here and everybody just gets angry because your general manager didn't address all of your problems before December the 1st. And it's ludicrous. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a goofy way of thinking, Chris. And the other part is like, I mean, I, I even have told people like I just I just don't talk trades. 
I'm not just a big fan of it like whatsoever because like you would have to know every single team in Major League Baseball, inside and out, not only their Major League team, but their minor league organizations. You would have to know the general managers and all of the assistant general managers and the scouts and anybody else involved with the team and, and what they're thinking and what they believe yeah. their team's needs their are. Their internal notes and what they think of these players too, you'd have to know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you would have to know so much. And and it's always like the, the things that I see is like, okay, well, we're gonna get rid of Nick Gonzalez and Quinn Priester because they showed up and we don't we don't think they are what we thought they were before in this little small sample size. And we've got these other guys sitting behind him. We got Tamar Johnson maybe coming up, you know, to Altoona this year, and he's gonna be our next guy. Man, that's the craziest thing. That's why it's like I can't even predict who the pirates are gonna sign. I have no idea why I would try to predict what team I would make a trade with and what prospects I would trade just because it, it to me, like it would just be a wasted exercise and, and a waste of my time. Well, I mean, even think of the trade that we mentioned when we were going through what teams did. That was a six player trade, a one for five when the Braves went and acquired Aaron Palmer. All right. That trade is unique mainly because the Braves had a crunch on their 40 man roster and they were willing to give up talent that was probably more than what Aaron Bummer was because they specifically wanted a player, and they had to find a partner that was like, yeah, we'll take those guys for this pitcher because this is what our needs are. And it was a, it was a trade that was no article was written, nobody predicted, nobody had him going there, nobody had those players being the ones that were moved. There was no Jeff Passan article about it or anything like that. There was none of that stuff. There was nothing on MLB Tonight about it. Right. So that's why trades like predicting trades is just crazy to me because you don't understand exactly what each place is thinking about. And there's something you might not even have noticed. I mean, that that was an improbable, weird trade. I mean, that trade involves a guy who was a runner up in the Cy Young who had his Achilles go out on him and was out of baseball for two years and just got a little bit of a getting used to it and mostly triple A last year. If that guy recovers and Mike Soroka becomes like a front end starter again. People will laugh about what the Braves gave up in that trade. So, and nobody even thought about those guys being moved. So that's the whole thing with trades, folks. I mean, you, you really, it's cute to kind of come up with and try to say, oh, if we move this. But the only thing I could say about the Pirates is I know that they have depth. I know that they have, they have pieces that they can move to acquire players. That they should be knocking on the door of teams that are selling right now if they think they can acquire somebody, right? I mean, like, yeah. perfect example, perfect example. I mentioned we mentioned Glass now. We mentioned uh, Dylan Cease with the White Sox. Those are two names that are out there that are floating around. So Cease has a couple of years left on his deal. He's a Boros client, though, so you better get ready to pay for him. So the Pirates probably wouldn't be interested in him because you're only going to get two years of him, and you're not going to be able to pay the money that Scott Boros is going to ask for with that guy, okay? But assuming a player like him is sitting out there and a team wanted to move on, does that team want major league-ready prospects that are on the cusp, or does that team want – higher ceiling prospects that are three years away teams have different philosophies teams may be sitting there saying i can't go through a three-year rebuild so while you're trying to match up what like people are doing you don't know what they're looking for in terms of like even how ready these players are you're sitting around going oh we got this great prospect we got this guy in a list we don't need him let's trade him not every team wants to sit around and wait three years for him though it all depends on what the other partner in the dance wants so that's why i've never understood trades man I've just never understood, like, guessing on trades. You can guess on what you think you're deep at and you can offer. And you could say, I want these kind of positions back again. 
and you could maybe come up with a couple of teams that match up, but that's about as far as you can go predicting trades because there's just so many unknowns. Yeah, and I, I, it's like I hate speaking in generalities. I wish I had more to give. I wish that, you know, I, I could I could tell people, okay, this is what's going to happen and different type of stuff. Like, I wish I knew that myself too, you know, kind of as a fan, but I'm not going to go out there and do that type of stuff. I'm not going to go out there and pretend that we're in this microcosm, that the Pirates are the only teams that have ever struggled, you know, with having, you know, the pitching not come up and, you know, have all these injuries. I, I mentioned the Tigers before. We saw how the Tigers rebuild failed because of the, the the pitching injuries. We saw how the Kansas City Royals rebuild failed. I believe they traded one of the players they drafted during the rebuild uh, just this offseason when they drafted like six starting pitchers in like the first uh, six rounds. Of, I think it was a 2018 draft. Those guys haven't worked out. So I, I can't play in those types of things. I can't play in these microcosms. I'd rather look at it from a general view and then react to the stuff when it happens. I think that was an excellent job remembering that we have a scroll that we never actually addressed during this 30-minute show. That was awesome. You're like, I never got to rebuild that failed or any of the stuff of the scroll. It, it, that's the problem when Chris spends 45 minutes talking about his ongoing divorce with Craig and we don't show properly. And they were like, oh, let's just record <laughs> it and wing it here on Bucks in the Basement. Now I see.